Blog Talk Radio. Listen, for those of you that are going through, for those of us that are waiting on His promise, understand God has not forgotten you. When times get tough, you got to look up to heaven and encourage yourself and say, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. I don't even know what to say, Brian, but I tell you what, <laughs> you better buckle up tonight because we got a good one. We got a good one, and we have a lot of answers, a lot of solutions to a lot of things that people are going through, Brian. And this is one of the shows, Brian, that I circled on my calendar because I knew it was going to be 100% high-octane all night, the entire show. <laughs> and I wouldn't have it any other way, Greg. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, I want to start off by saying um, remember to keep all the folks that were in the devastating floods in Tennessee in your prayers and continue to pray for the people of Haiti. You know, um, do what you can by way of prayers by of offering and out of your money your finances your time your talents you know and if you can't offer to them do something for somebody that you know or maybe someone that you don't know that lives right there in your community but you know greg i I agree we're going to have a great show tonight we have an awesome guest and the show's the show's title is i think the probably the most important thing you will need in order to move forward in your life. You know, so many people, when they're trying to move forward, they they forget about this one little topic, this one little thing that you have to have in order to see clearly, and that's focus. And tonight we have a wonderful guest, and it's uh, his name is Pastor Walter Taylor, and he asked the question. Are you focused? Have you allowed others to steal your focus? Do you know worrying accomplishes absolutely nothing? <laughs> uh, we'd like to welcome again, oh, I'm sorry, for the first time, but not for the last time. That's right. Pastor Walter Taylor to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Welcome, sir. God bless you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, sir. Pastor Taylor, I tell you what, we are so excited about you being on the show. We know that you uh, you are truly blessed, and uh, like I said last night when we talked, iron sharpens iron. And you know, I I I, I know that you're a pastor over in Columbus, Georgia. I think your ministries is it the W. E. Taylor Ministries. Uh, we we I, I have just relocated to Columbus, Georgia. We are establishing our second location in Columbus, Georgia, um, okay. Foresight of Columbus uh, Christian Ministries in Columbus, Georgia. Our first location is located in McDonough, Georgia. Oh, okay. Pastor moving up, boy. He's getting it spread out all over the place, it seems like. Yes, so, sir. Pastor, he's the place I, I, Yes, he is. I, I wanted to ask you a question. That, you know, my focus. Um, is it true, and I'm talking about the enemy, and I'm talking about people that are in the workplace and when you're following your dreams, is it the enemy's job to just steal your focus and that it and that's it? Ultimately, the thing we have to understand is if we lose focus, then we've lost objective. And where there's, there is no objective, then you have no assignment. And so the objective of the enemy is the enemy will never lose his objective. Um, and, I, and I love how the Bible describes uh, the enemy. It says the enemy goes about a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. Li- literally, that means he's going after you to distract you from the very thing you're supposed to accomplish, whether that's in ministry, in your home, in the workplace, or even in just everyday relationships. If your assignment and your focus is not on the assignment and you, you've lost focus on the assignment, you've ultimately lost the objective. And if you've lost the objective, then what you literally find yourself doing is rambling. And you become a danger to yourself and everyone else around you because you're just there now. You're just there. 
You know, Pastor, you made me think about an uh, an interesting um, concept. You know, in the Bible it says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, or steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can remember my pastor preaching about um, the enemy, and, and you know, you're not, you got to know who he is. But my question is, when dealing with focus, and, you know, it says that the enemy's trying to kill you, he's trying to... De- steal from you and he's trying to destroy you well if he kills you why would he need to steal and destroy that's a very very interesting passage brian and i and i love that passage because literally that passage is a process there's a process that, that the enemy goes through to take you out the bible says that the enemy comes about to steal to kill and ultimately to destroy he steals your focus and if he steals your focus, then he's able to kill your assignment. And if he's able to kill your assignment, then he's able to destroy the purpose. Now, the, 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 the problem with destroying the purpose, that's his ultimate goal, is to destroy the purpose, because if he destroys the purpose, then he has the ability to, to, to mimic God, to get at God and say, now I have this in your face. They thought you thought you had this in them. You thought you had this faith in them because the Bible says that God has given unto every man the measure of faith. So if, if we are devoured by the enemy, if, we are, if the enemy still kills and destroys us, then he's able to taunt God and say you thought that you had control of him. And, and the, the perfect example would be Job. The Bible says that the enemy was going throughout the earth looking for someone to mess with. And the Bible says the angels and and God, they were having a meeting in heaven, and Satan came, and God asked him, where did you come from? He said, I was walking to and forth on the earth, seeking whom I may devour. And he said, have you tried my servant Job? And the enemy said to God, he said, I saw Job, but you had a hedge of protection around him. I couldn't mess with him. And God said, I'll remove that so you can mess with him. And so what we have to look at there is the thing that the enemy thought then was now that God has removed this hedge of protection from around Job, now I can make Job lose focus. I can make Job lose his purpose, and ultimately I can destroy Job and go back to God and say, I went to the man that you had faith in, and he did not hold up under pressure. And so the, the, the process is if I can still kill and destroy you, then I can go back and wave my trump card into God's face and say he didn't hold up under pressure. But I thank God that the God that we serve, he, he has given us the power, the fight, and the fortitude that we, can, we cannot be defeated. I don't care what the enemy does. I don't care what the tactic is. We can't be defeated. You just have to remain focused. Yes, sir. Awesome. Woo! <laughs> I told you, Brian. You, bet you got your helmet on. I, I told you. I yes, told sir. You. <laughs> oh, man. When you were talking a word that just kept jumping out to me was chosen. Mm-hmm. chosen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people are in bad places. They're in that valley. They think that where they're, where they are, that's where they're going to stay. And a lot of times they think that, like you said, that they feel like they're already being defeated. Mm-hmm. But would God choose us and put us in a position where we will be eaten alive or defeated? Will he do that? The thing that I have come to learn and and had to accept um, being a pastor, being a minister, and just being a child of God, period, let's let's lose the titles, but just just being a human, being a, a child of God, I have had to come and understand God loves me. He has a purpose for me, and he has a place that he's designed to take me to. And I, I want to use David as an example for us to look at. In, the, in, in David's life, David was anointed to be king at a very early age. Theologians say around the age of 13, he was anointed to be king. The prophet came and anointed David to be king. But even after being anointed to be king, David did not walk into kingship. When David was anointed to be king in his father's house, he left there and went back to the field. And going back to the field, it was there that he had to experience fighting a bear. 
It was there he had to experience fighting Goliath. It was there he had to experience fighting the lion. So what I've come to underlearn, to learn and accept the, the calling and the purpose that is on our lives, there are stages, there are preparatory stages that we must go through in life to prepare us for where we're going. You know, for years I grew up in a traditional church and all they preached about was going to heaven and when we get to heaven and what we were going to be when we got to heaven. And going to heaven is good, but we're in the earth right now, and we have an assignment in the earth realm, and we are ambassadors in the earth realm. I don't have to wait till I die and go to heaven to, to, to live a life that, that's good, to live a life where I, I don't have to worry about how my bills are going to be paid or I don't have to worry about constantly being sick. I don't have to worry about dying to reap those benefits. I can enjoy those things here on earth, but there's a process, there's a preparatory phase that we must go through to understand that when we get to that place that God has ordained for us, we're able to stand and tell somebody that's coming behind us, listen, this is how I got to where I am. My mama growing up, she said to me, I, I, I'm going to allow you to go out and buy some things and work to buy things for yourself because if you, if you sweat and if you lose blood and shed tears to make money to buy the thing that you want, you'll appreciate it more. And that same life lesson my mother taught me, I brought it over to my walk with God. And everything that I had to shed some tears for, that I, and I had to lose some sweat for, now that I'm at a place in God, I'm able to look back and I value where I am. I value the anointing. I value my relationship with God. So what we're going through is it's, everything happens because God has permitted it to happen. Because he is ultimately in control, he permitted it to happen. But the great thing about it, according to Romans 8 and 31, it says, what shall we say to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? So no matter what preparatory phase you find yourself in, it is there to prepare you for where you're going. So I have come to, I have learned not to, not to hold my head down, not to look in defeat, not to walk as if I'm failing, but to take it as a lesson, a lesson that's preparing me for where I'm going. That's all, that's all stages of life are, seasons of life. Every season we go through, there's something in that season that's going to prepare us for the next season. Fall must yield something to prepare for winter. Winter must yield something in its season to prepare for spring. And then spring must yield something to prepare for summer. If something doesn't yield to give something else, the next season in life can't come. And that's something we as, a, as believers must come to accept. There is something that must yield. There must be falling off of something. There must be giving us something before we can step into that next season. Mm-hmm. You know, Pastor, when I think about focus, um, I'm reminded by um, an author. His name is Donald Latumahina, and he said there are five phases of mental focus or five levels of mental focus. And you have one that's a lifetime mental focus. You have a yearly, a weekly, and a daily, and then a currently and when I think about those different phases, you know, and, and when you think about how people focus on certain things, you know, why is it that we are so quick to focus on negative stuff for a lifetime or for years or for weeks or for daily and currently, and yet the positive things that could help us grow and make us better, we tend not to focus on those things so much. My best response to that, and, 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 I, and I respond to it in, in this manner, we, we hold on to those things generally because those are the things that cause us the most pain. And th the things that cause us the most pain generally leave a scar. And the problem is we look at the scar, and rather than accepting that the scar has healed, we look at the scar and we're, we're constantly reminded of the pain. And so the reason that we acknowledge more so the things that really didn't mean us any good versus the things that did mean us good is because we were, we were devastated by the pain. We hadn't gotten over the pain yet. We hadn't went through the healing process to get over that particular pain, that area of pain. And, and that's just that, that's, that's, 
that's a setback, and, and that's a crutch that a lot of people are holding on to. A lot of us, we, we cannot move from, from yesterday into today because we're still caught up in the pain of yesterday. Uh, and I've just come to tell believers, you've got to heal and move on. Yesterday is gone. Yesterday has left all of us alone. The problem is we won't leave yesterday alone. Today, every day that we we wake up, Lamentation says it best, Our, the mercies of God are renewed morning by morning. Every day that we wake up, we are, we, are, we are awoken to a new opportunity to make a brand new start. We are awoken to a new opportunity to do something that we had never done before. Despite what result we may have gotten yesterday, if it was designed to take us out, it would have took us out yesterday. But the fact that we had the ability to wake up and see a brand new day, we may still see some of the same people from yesterday. We may still see some of the same circumstances from yesterday, but we don't have to carry the same mindset from yesterday. And that's the problem I think a lot of us are having why we can't maintain focus is because we refuse to change our mindset from yesterday. Yesterday is gone. We, we can't erase yesterday. We can't do anything about yesterday. Mm-hmm. Only thing we can do is handle today and prepare for tomorrow. Ooh, Pastor, we, we deal with so many people on this show. A lot of, and, and most of them are women, and I, I know that you talk and deal with a lot of women. And one of the things that we've learned, and I will say Brian can probably back me up on this, probably 98% of the women that we've interviewed on this show have either been molested or raped. And a lot of them are dealing with it right now. Most of the ones that we've dealt with, uh, it's probably I'd probably say 50-50 as far as them still being married or they've been divorced, and some of them have never been married because they can't move forward. How can they learn to forgive so they can move on with their life? How can they learn to forgive? The key thing in, in learning to forgive, um, and I, I deal with, uh, molestation, child abuse, um, those areas are areas that I do not um, denounce. Um, I do not attempt to small talk uh, people who have experienced those things. However, uh, what I tend to tell people uh, while counseling them is the first thing you have to do before you can forgive the person who affected you or who mistreated you or who abused you is you have to forgive yourself. And then the question first arises, well, why would I need to forgive myself? A lot of times people, they hold themselves in that state of mind because they say, how could I allow that to happen to me? Or how could that person do that to me? I thought they loved me or this, that, and the other. And you have to get yourself to a place that you are willing to forgive yourself for allowing you, however it happened, for allowing yourself to be in a place that you were misused or abused, and then you're able to forgive the person who ultimately was the abuser. And the second point of it is this. When you do not forgive, and, and this, is, this is key, and I, and I pray that anyone listening will really hear this. When you do not forgive people, you allow them to hold you in bondage. Uh, people uh, have moved on years and years ago, and a lot of times people have forgotten that they've ever offended you, but you hold on to that, and they, they, they hold a piece of you, and, and until you let that go, they'll forever hold a piece of you. So you're walking around, rather than being a full person, you walk around being a partial individual, and you can never, never give yourself to another person because you don't have fullness to give. And so you have to find it within yourself to, to look deep down within yourself and say, God, I did not appreciate what I went through, but I thank you that you kept me through it. Because the fact of the matter is, if it was meant to destroy you, if it was meant to kill you, if it was meant to take you out of here, then it would have did just that. But the fact of the matter that God kept you through it, and the testimony is it, it was only God that could have kept anyone through any ordeal of that caliber, 
kept your mind, kept your, your body, kept you from wanting co- to commit suicide or homicide. It was God that kept you. And because he's kept you and he's kept you all of these years, you need to pause and say, listen, it's time for me to move forward and leave my past behind. The thing that I, and I just did a series uh, not long ago at my church, and I told them, I said, you, you have to eradicate yourself from your past because the longer you hold on to your past, the greater possibility you allow for your past to abort your future. Mm. A lot of people cannot step into their future because they're carrying baggages of past. And every time they make one step into their future, their past comes in and aborts the future. And it's nothing more than a design of the enemy, whether it be hurt, whether it be resentment, anger, frustration, whatever it may be that you're holding on to and carrying from day to day. Every day that you step over into your future and you carry that bag with you, you have a now carried the possibility for your future to become aborted. And that's the design of the enemy to abort your future. And so you have to get to a place and you have to say within yourself and only you can do it. I've got to forgive. I've got to forgive me and I've got to forgive them. And you've got to be able to move on. Otherwise you'll miss everything that God has in store. Mm. Well, 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 you know, pastor, to, to be able to do that, how important is it to stay focused, or how would they be even able to try and focus to forgive? I, I know those two have to go hand in hand. They 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 have to go hand in hand, and I, and I'm a, I'm going to be honest and tell you, um, in, in teaching AA and um, um, some very other courses, one thing that I appreciate about the curriculum is they tell you that you cannot do it without a higher power. You cannot, you cannot do this by yourself. You are going to have to focus on something other than you, and, and that other than you will be the best thing, and that's God. If you can focus your attention on God, God is the one, according to Jeremiah 18, God is the one that after life has broke us down and shattered us into pieces, after people have walked over us, after we've made bad choices and mistakes, God is the one. When we focus on him, he's the one that has the ability to put us back on the potter's wheel and make us over again. And so being able to focus gives you the ability to forgive. So when you're able to focus on God, then you see that God is the same one that forgave you every time you slapped him in his face by sinning. God is the same one that woke you up when you forgot to tell him thank you for keeping you through that previous day. He's the same one that provided for you when you didn't give your tithe nor your offering. He's the same one that caused that car to move out of the way when you were doing something wrong. So it's God. When we see and focus on how good God is to us, then it forces us to forgive other people. It forces us. When we really concentrate and focus on how good and awesome the love of God is towards us, it makes us, without a shadow of a doubt, have to forgive other people. I just believe that in my heart. There's no way that you can know the love of God, accept the love of God, and hate somebody else. There's no way you can do it. You can't even love God. But God says, how can you love me whom you've never seen and you hate your brother whom you walk with daily? You can't do it. You cannot love God and hate man despite what they did to you, despite how they mistreated you. You have to love them in spite of all of that. I have a, I have a saying, and, it, and it's my motto for the season, and, and I pray it doesn't offend anybody, but that's just where I am. And that's what I tell the people of God. I'm going to love the hell out of you. And what I mean by that is this, according to First Peter 4 and 8, the Bible tells us that love covers a multitude of faults. I I have come to believe and and experience that when you can show the agape to a person, despite how they treat you, despite how they feel about you, love will change any situation. 
Husbands coming home arguing, wives uh, bickering, children cutting up. If you can love and show the agape, that, that love that comes from God, if you can show that and demonstrate that in awkward situations, I've seen radical things happen. All because I love God, I accept God, and I love God for who he is, so I have to love the people of God. Yes, yes. You know, it's funny because my pastor uses that term all the time <laughs> and he tells us to do that as well you yeah know? and so when you said it i just started smiling to myself i was like well yeah i like this guy i like yeah this guy. i wrote it i wrote it down <laughs> yes sir yes sir that's definitely some good news that we can use yes, it is. you know when you talk about uh agape or unconditional love you know there's one thing that i've found out that you have to have focus. You have to be focused in order to love somebody. You know, even if you're not focused on everything else, you have to be focused on them. You know, but how is how important is it to be to have a good balance of focus? A balance of focus. That it, it that that's key. Um and it's key in the sense, um, 2009 was a very, very rough, rough year for me. Um, I lost a lot of things in 2009. A lot of things got restructured in my life in 2009. It was a very rough year. And I, I began to ask God, what is this? What am I experiencing? What's going on? I, this is a little too much for me, God. And and one thing God shared to me, with me amongst uh, some other things was any time that we put more focus on things rather than on him, he has an issue with that. Mm-hmm. So when you say balance, balance is very, very, very crucial when, it, when we're talking about focus. Um, sometimes we can become, as people, we can become so focused and driven on accomplishing a task that we forget to honor God in the midst of that. And God says, I'm a jealous God, and I will have no other God before me. And so literally, if you begin to demote more time to a thing, if you focus more of your attention on a thing, a person, or a problem than you do on God, then you've just made that your God. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why we don't get results when we're trying to accomplish things, look at who our God are. We've made, we've made our jobs our God. We demote and focus more on accomplishing our assignments at our workplaces than we do on making sure we have a relationship with God. There's a problem there. We, we focus our attention and, and make sure that we devote time and effort and energy into raising our kids that we get to even pray for our children. There's a problem there. We focus so much on other things, and we forget to give God time and focus on him. According to Matthew 6 and 33, I love it. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of its righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. I've come to understand that if I focus my attention on heaven, Everything from heaven will align to me and the earth. And why would I say that? I will say that because according to Matthew 6, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he told them, he said, pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So if I focus on heaven, everything I need will come from heaven and be manifested in the earth. That's where we got to be. Brother, I, I, my my pad is almost full. I tell you, I'm sitting here taking notes. You, you are really blessing a lot of people. As everybody, I just got a message. Uh, it's a question from Facebook. Some people are listening. What if that person doesn't know the Lord or they don't have that relationship with God? And you mentioned, I think, hopefully I'm asking this correctly, you mentioned uh that 
he taught them how to pray. How should someone pray that don't have that relationship with God? What should they do? The, the, the question is, how should someone pray if they don't have a relationship? If they don't have a relationship with God and they're not, they, you know, let's say they weren't brought up the way that you were in the church and all of that, and they are trying to make these things happen, but they don't know how to go to him. They don't know how to pray. No one ever taught them this. You know, Greg, I, I teach people that church church has made prayer so complicated. <laughs> I, I'm going to step out on a ledge and offend some people, but I'm, I'm okay with that too. Uh, um, church, religion, and doctrine ha- has really complicated prayer. Uh, according to Matthew 6, and, and I teach, when I teach intercessors, I teach them from Matthew 6 what we call the Lord's Prayer. That is the most powerful prayer that has ever been written. There is so much detail in the Lord's Prayer. I teach people, if you want to learn how to pray, learn the Lord's Prayer, and then ultimately learn that prayer is nothing more than a simple conversation between you and your maker. People, and and Matthew 6 talks about people and their flattery words. They they, 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 they get up and they have all of these big words. And, you know, I'm not knocking anybody for how they pray. But what I tell people is don't attempt to pray like you see the next person. Pray to God and talk to God from your heart. And if you can talk to him from your heart, that's what he wants to hear. He doesn't want to hear made-up words. He doesn't want to hear how big your vocabulary is. He wants to hear what your heart has to say. And that's that's prayer. My definition for prayer is intimate communication with God. Intimate communication with God. That's what prayer is. And I use the term intimate because intimate means you're willing to talk to God at such a degree that you're not ashamed of anything. And when you pray, that's what God is looking for. He's saying, come to me not being ashamed of any, anything, not a mistake, not a problem, not a situation, not a circumstance. Just talk to me. God says, I'm waiting and I'm listening, but I'm waiting for you to talk. But it's also the fact that God's going to talk back. We've got to be willing to listen. It's communication. Communi- communication consists of three parts. A sender, a receiver, and an understanding. That's that's communication. A, a sender, a receiver, and an understanding. So when we pray, we talk to God and we wait to listen to see what God has to say back to us. That's what prayer really is. And that's how you get prayer, prayer life started. Just driving in your car, start talking and saying, God, you know, I, I hadn't been praying like I should. Or, God, I thank you that. You know, you, you've been blessing me. I know that it was you that kept me. I, I know it was you that brought my son back home. It, those simple, it, we, we say that they're simple, but they're yet so powerful. Just talking to God, you get results when you talk to God from your heart. And that's what I, 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 I say to whoever's listening tonight, in your prayer time, when you're praying, pray from your heart, talk from your heart, and see what God does for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, I have a question, Pastor, and um, this is still along the lines of those different methods or different types of of focus. What's how when when you're trying to balance out your focus? What should be the most? Well, I know what the most important thing is, and that's making sure that you have a relationship and focus on God. But how do you prioritize the other thing? <clears throat> the best way to pri- the, the, what I do, and this is and this is just something I do. I, I prioritize things, but I make sure that God gets the most from me every day. The most of my attention, the most of my time, um, and then I prioritize things by what's important. 
after God, the most important thing next would be my family. You prioritize things by what's important to you, what's most important to you. I tell people what you delegate the most time and attention to, that's generally what's most important to you. And so you, you look in your own life and you evaluate your, you have to evaluate your own life and then you have to line that up of what's most important to you and that's how you focus your time out on what you're going to give this amount of time and that amount of time and, and that, that, that's how you create that balance. That's, that's how you log it. But I tell, I, I'll tell anybody and I, and I stand on it until I die that the top of that list you need to make sure it's God. Yeah. And at the very following under God, you need to make sure that you focus on your family. The Bible says that, and we say it comes from the Bible, but I believe it's just a cliche, ministry starts at home and spreads abroad. So it starts right here in your home, in your local community, in your family, in your bloodline. Focus on your family and then start moving out into the world and to other things and to hobbies and this, that, and the other, but as a man, as a man, and I'm speaking to men now, men love God, and then make sure you focus a whole lot of attention on your family. There's a shifting that's happening in the atmosphere, and God is calling the house back in order, and he's commanding that the man stand back up and take his rightful position as the head of the house. And as being the head of the house, the head of the house does not mean that you have control like you are a, a, a whip master. But what that means is you lead by example. Being the head of the house means that you will be the provider. You'll be the protector. You'll be the prophet. You'll be the priest. You'll be all of these things. And ultimately, if there needs to be a sacrifice made in the house, you'll be the sacrifice. And being the head of the house, the man standing up, being the head, he, he, the family needs to see that he loves God, and in loving God, he loves them. The best way that a wife will ever know that her husband loves God is for him to love her. And, 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 I, and, I, and, I, and I know I'm, I'm probably challenging some people there, but according to the scriptures, the Bible says husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. So the best way that a wife will ever know that her husband loves God is that he's able to love her with an agape in serving God. That, that, that's how we, we've got to prioritize things, get things back in order. But men, men, get it, get, you know, playing, watching the games is good, watching the playoffs is good, but don't demote more time to the TV than you do to spending time with your children and with your family. Yes, sir. Amen. Uh, I, I tell you what, uh, you, you definitely challenging a lot of people tonight to to want to do better, and that's that's pretty much our <laughs> our saying for this show. You know, we want people to do more, be more, and have more, and you're definitely taking them there. Um, my question is when. A person gives their life to Christ. Does all their problems, all the struggles they've had, does that immediately just wash away and you're just happy for the rest of your life? Or do you have trials after you've given your life to Christ? Greg, I wish I, wish I could really say that it would be so true. And I, and I challenge even preachers and pastors that when we start talking about salvation, let's really talk for real. Um, when I was growing up, coming um, coming up in church, um, they always said you need to give your life to God. But nobody ever told me that after I gave my life to God that I was going to have to go through some stuff. They never told me that after I walked up the aisle and gave the preacher my hand and I sat in the seat, that that's when hell really was going to break loose in my life. And, 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 and according to the scripture, according to the scripture, Jesus says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. This is what David said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of all, them all. We flip over to Matthew. Matthew says, blessed are ye when you are persecuted and reviled for righteousness' sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. 
I have come to understand as long as you're living for the devil, he has no reason to mess with you. Yes, sir. But the moment you change sides and you get on the Lord's side, then he has reason to mess with you. So I tell people, if, if everything in your life is going well, and you, you don't, you're not having to worry, you're not having to pray, you're not having to seek God for anything, then you may need to check your salvation. Because the enemy is not going to mess with anything he already has. What sense would that make? But he only comes after those things which he cannot have. And if you've committed your life to God, then the enemy is after you because he wants that back. He wants you back over on his side. So, Greg, no, no, I can't, I can't say that after accepting Christ as your personal Savior in your life, everything's going to be a flower better ease because it's really, really not. But what I will say, after you give your life to Christ, there is now an ability for God to move in your life like he's never moved before. When you accept Christ, now you open up a door. He said, I stand at the door and knock. And he that opens up, I'll come in and sup with him. Literally, when you accept Christ, you now sign a power of attorney for God to work on your behalf. That's when I, when I start teaching on salvation, I tell people, the, and, I, and I use the analogy of a power of attorney. Of a power of attorney means that you give somebody the ability to, to move just as if they were you. Now, according to Genesis 1, God, when he created man, he gave man a power of attorney to move as, as if he was God. Now, when we accept Christ, we now give God a power of attorney to move on our behalf against the enemy and to work on our behalf to bless us. But he can't do that if we're on the enemy's side. We've got to cross over. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, there's a game that um, Greg and I, we go out and we do uh, community events and speaking engagements, and there's a game that I learned that I like to play with the youth, and a lot of times with young adults in general. And this game is, I'll take a like a stick, like a broomstick or a broom handle, and I'll paste some of those like pasted notes. And what I'll do is I'll have each kid take a pasted note and write down three goals that they like to set. And then from there, I'll have them stick it on the pole, and then I'll have them balance the pole in their hand. And the one thing that they learn is that if they're not looking at those goals, if they're not focusing on those on that sticky note because it's at the top of that pole, that the pole won't stay balanced. Mm. You know, and so that was my question, you know, sort of a, a roundabout way of asking you, you know, will you be able to attain your goals if you have them well balanced? and focused you can uh, you can accomplish anything in life if you are focused and you're balanced uh, Paul Paul says uh, in the in the in the Bible he says I wish above all that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers we can go Old Testament the scripture says Forget not the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get well. And so literally throughout the scriptures, you can see examples of people who had goals. Jacob, he had a goal with the angel that night. He said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. Mm -hmm. You can continue throughout the Bible, different examples, people having goals. And I just come to believe that if we balance and if we pay attention and allow God to order our footsteps, there is nothing impossible unto us. I was talking to a, 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 a high school class um, last week, and I told them, you are not a stigma of your environment, but rather your environment is a stigma of you. Where we come from does not make who we are. And for years growing up, I've heard people say, I am the way I am because of where I came from. 
I do what I do because of where I came from. You can change that. You don't have to be that way. You control you. You have the ability to tap in to the resources that God has placed on the inside of you and be whoever and do whatever you want to do. According to Ephesians 3 and 20, he said, the Bible says this, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in you. Meaning literally anything, the earth, the, the, the sky is the limit on what we can do in life because God has given us the power to do it. We just got to focus on it. That is the ticket. Yes, it is. Brian, I know we've had a lot of, you know, we have some people calling in. If you just hold on, I'm sure we'll come to you. Um, Brian, did you have another question? No, I was actually going to say let's go to some of our callers. Let's see if we can get them in. Hopefully hopefully they'll have a question for you. Um, All right, let's see. We have a caller from the 706 area code. Caller, you are on live with the Abundant Solutions Hour. Caller? Was it, was it the 706-575? Yes. Caller, you're on live. Okay, maybe they don't want to talk to us. Maybe they're just listening, and that's quite <laughs> all right. All right, we have another caller from the 706 area code. Almost and 15 months old. That's it. Well, oh, you're live. They may have us muted, Brian. Let's go some. Pastor, I had a, I had a question for you. It sounds like they're probably just listening in, and that's fine. Uh, if you if you're listening to us on the internet, you can call in if you have a question. It's seven one eight five zero eight ninety six hundred. And the caller from the seven zero six two two one, I think they were just listening in. Pastor, okay. you talked about. Being focused, you've talked about having a relationship with God, and you said some things that men, we all need to do um, to live a better life, and, and, and which is more pleasing to God. Let me ask you this. For those that are out there in the world, we have a, young, a lot of young kids today, and a lot of people, even older people that are out there in the world that are living their life, and they're not even thinking about the church, and things that just seem like they're going so great for them. Why should they even give their life to Christ if they're not having any problems? That that's a that's a great great question, Greg. Uh, something I've, uh, I I used to hear growing up uh, in the in, in my grandfather's church, uh, they used to say, uh, "If you have not experienced a storm, wait a while, because a storm's going to come." Uh, and even when we look throughout Proverbs, Proverbs talks about those who um, have it going well. Things are going well for them. But as I've, as I've been looking throughout the economy, uh, there's a shaking going on throughout the economy. People are experiencing a shaking on every platform. And I encourage people, I, don't, I, I, I do not get caught up in the cliche of church. And, and I know that, that that may be different for a lot of people, um, but church as usual is over. Um, people are not concerned so much with the four consecrated walls because that's not what church really is. What What church really is is the ability for someone to see God and see the manifested presence of God. And that can happen without me coming to the four consecrated walls. I tell people it's a it's better to accept Christ and die not knowing whether or not and and there not be a Christ than to live life and never accept him and die find out that there really was a Christ. It's the same way with insurance. You buy insurance in case you have an accident. Talking about auto insurance, in case you have an accident. But many of us go many of years and never have an accident, but we have insurance just in case. I tell people accepting Christ is putting insurance on your life. We, we may not need it at the end of the road, but I'd rather have it than not have it 
and find myself in trouble. It's like having insurance and assurance. Oh, <laughs> right. I like that. <laughs> well, I can't claim it. I actually saw it on a church uh, bulletin board. It says, did you get your life assurance policy yet? <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good stuff. You know, I was thinking about, and we have about 10 minutes left in the show, and so I definitely want you to uh, give out your contact information and also if you're available for other speaking engagements or do you go to other churches. You can just give that spill in just a minute. But I was thinking about how many people that I know that when when they're doing stuff, they they have their hand in so much stuff that they can never actually put their finger down and say, I'm going to get this thing done right now. This is it. And I'm one of those people, by the way, you know. I, I have so many things that I got that I have going on that a lot of times I may become unfocused or a little unbalanced because I want to make sure I got this done, but wait a minute, this isn't done. And so what's the best way to balance these things, you know, aside from God? Because I keep God first. Of course. Everything else is sort of like, you know, it's important. But is it important? It, it, this is just as important as that. You know, so how do you really keep the balance going with all the other stuff? You know, uh, Brian, you, you ask a good question. I'm going to tell you, it's something I'm having to learn day by day. And what I'm having to learn is we're only allotted so much time in one day, so we can only do so much. And so you have to be willing to accept, I'm only able to do this amount for this day. And what I don't do today, I'll attempt to do it tomorrow. And we as men, we struggle with that. And that's been a great struggle for even myself uh, because at times I feel like I'm Superman and I can just do it all. And really what, when you really sit down and think about what you're doing to yourself is not good. Because what you're doing, you're stretching yourself thin and you're wearing yourself out. Mm-hmm. That ultimately, when there comes a time that you really need to de- devote 100% of yourself, you don't have 100% to give. And so you have to, well, what I'm going to advice I'm going to give you in that is you have to be willing to accept, I can only do a certain amount today. So you're just going to have to choose. This is what I'm going to focus and make sure that I complete today. What I do not complete today, then that will be focused for tomorrow. Mm. That is awesome advice. Yes, it is. Pastor, you give so much of yourself, and and, and I know that you spend a lot of time away from your family. You're always talking with people about problems and uh, Brian and I, we, we're not on the level that you are as far as helping and, and going into depth with a lot of people's problems and pains and stuff. And and I know that you take a lot of this stuff home and it, it can really uh, drain you. With all that you're doing, who's pouring back into you? You know, I, I thank God. Um, I was talking with uh, my my brother today. And we were sitting and we were talking, and I told him, every pastor needs a pastor. Every every pastor, every man or woman of God needs someone that after they've poured out, that they can get poured back into. So I thank God I have a, an awesome spiritual mother by way of Dr. Annel Hartman uh, right here in Columbus, Georgia, and a spiritual father. Uh, Dr. Antonio Hurt out of McDonough, Georgia, great, a great man and a great woman of God who pour into me like none other. And then I have a loving family. I, I come out of a lineage of, of pastors and preachers. Uh, thank God for them. I have a grandfather who I love dearly, uh, that I love to just sit at his feet and soak up the wisdom, a man of God that has been pastoring for over 30 years. You know, I, you, that's priceless. And so I, I, I sit at the feet. And, and outside of those great individuals, I pull on the throne room of God like I've never pulled before. Mm. And, and, you know, Greg, I'm glad you asked that question 
that is so important for um, as a man of God. You know, even if you're just a, a vineyard worker, you know, you need somebody to, that has the ability and the wherewithal to pour back into you, you know, because it's, it's almost like recharging your batteries. You know, and um, like at my at my particular church, I do a lot with the youth ministry. And for quite a time, I would only, uh, I only would get one Sunday out of the month that I could sit in service. And so the pastor said, you need to be fed. That's what he would tell me every time I talked to him. He said, you feeding them, you need to be fed. And so what I started to do is I would go to the early morning service and then, mm-hmm. you know, stick around the whole day. So, you know, it, it became that Sunday, you know, it was like a work day for me mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. I'd be at church the whole day, mm-hmm. you know. But I didn't mind because I understood the concept. You have to, if you do, if you do not get poured into, how can you pour out? Right. You don't have anything to pour out. You know, and that does, that, that does not say that you don't have the ability to hear from God because we all do. But still, you need someone that you could sit at their feet and see what they have pulled from the throne that can bless you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pastor, we have under five minutes left in the show. Uh, if you would, please give out your contact information, and I'm sure I think you are available for speaking engagements and as far as traveling and, and that type of thing. Uh, but please give out your information, and if you have anything coming up at your church or anything that you're affiliated with, please use this time to um, let us all know what that is. Thank you so much. If you are in the McDonough, Georgia area, McDonough, Georgia is located 25, 25 minutes southwest of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, uh, we are located at 1010 Premier Way in McDonough, Georgia. Our telephone number there is 770-506-9101. Again, it's 770-506-9101. If you are in the Columbus, Georgia area, we would love to have you. Um, This is where I'm based out of now, Columbus, Georgia. We hold Bible studies in Columbus, Georgia on Monday night. You can call 706-593. 8112. Again, that is 706 593 8112. And they will give you all directions and needed material. If you would like to reach me regarding a speaking engagement or any other thing of that caliber, you can email those correspondents to foresight of Columbus gmail.com. Again, that is foresight of Columbus at gmail.com. Our mailing address for the Columbus area, you can mail all correspondence to 927 Fifth Avenue, Columbus, Georgia, 31901. Again, it is 927 Fifth Avenue, Columbus, Georgia, 31901. You know, Pastor, I want to say this to with about a minute. I just want to say this really quick uh, to to those that are out there that are hurting, that are, that are going through. Uh, if you listen to this show, the pastor informed us all that it's just something sometimes that we have to go through, and where you are, do not stop, because God has a better plan for all of us. And Brian, I want to give you a couple of. Um, seconds or whatever to, to give a closing so that we all can uh, uh, just just walk away from this show knowing that great things are on the way. Yes, I, uh, first of all, I want to uh, thank you, Pastor Taylor. Man, you gave us so much good information. And, you know, I, I guarantee that when you go back and listen to this show later on, you're going to be like, wow, look what God did for us. Amen. 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 And uh, in closing, I want to say, when you focus on something, you know, when you make something the most important thing that you have to do, that you have to accomplish, you have to remember that anytime you take your eye off God, 
that it's it it's like taking your eye off the thing that you want to reach. It's like taking your eye off that very thing that you're focusing on. So with that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we ask that you come back next week, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We thank you. Good evening. God bless you all, and good night.
Yeah! 